let's descend the podcast into a bit of chaos. More chaos. More chaos. That electric moment when a ball hits the back of the net. Unbelievable game. Two great teams going at it. Compared to the other three beside him, he just looks like the new cafe or something. We are making a documentary about how shit our club is. <laughs> VR is bullshit. Who is the biggest cheater in football tonight? Harry Kane, without a fucking doubt. Without a fucking doubt. Hello, you little arseholes. If, good evening, listeners as well. Apologies for that. If you thought I was going to let the lads do a podcast and not comment at all, I leave myself wide open to the one hour and whatever minutes of abuse I'm about to listen to you. You're very, 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 very mistaken. Uh, Phil here, I'm not on the podcast tonight. Obviously, I cannot make it. I'm currently making my dinner, panicking about what nonsense the three douchebags are going to talk about tonight on the podcast. Obviously, I jest. I'm sure it's going to be amazing. The wins of the weekend for all of our teams, which is nice. Um, and the lads will get into it in more depth. I just wanted to ask the lads a quick question before I sort of go. James Milner played it right back at the weekend and he was man of the match. I think it was given eventually on club website to, to Mo Salah. But I think uh, overall, I think anyone else watching it or anyone else talking about the game would have given it to James Milner. He was superb against Zaha and, and uh, against any of the attackers that came up against him for Palace. I want to know my question to the lads that are on tonight and listeners at home, please get involved if you can afterwards when you're here. Who has been your club's best free transfer? Uh, we've had James Milner at Liverpool in my time and we've obviously had um, Joel Maddup that went on to win the two big ones with us um, to name two just off the top of my head so who's been what has been your club's best free transfer enjoy the show tonight folks I'm not going to get into it too much I'll leave the lads alone Liverpool flying Chelsea flying five games through as well I'm sure the lads will talk about it who's looking good who's looking not, not looking too good um, and then, of course, we have teams in the middle that are sort of so-so and probably where they expected to be. Enjoy the show, folks. I'm sure the lads will have you well covered. Chat to you again on Thursday when I'm back for Thursday Night Babble with the bold cousin Mud. Speak to you soon. Good luck. Hello and welcome back to the Football Babble. Um, Monday the 20th of September. Um, you've you've just been insulted there by Phil at the start of the podcast. I'm, I'm deeply sorry about that. Um he says that he's only talking about us, but um, you know we are the babble, all all of us together. Um, he he has sent us um, a little question there, and I suppose we'll we'll maybe um, get into that straight away. Um, which is about free transfers um, for your club. He was talking about um, James Milner uh, having, and I didn't watch the match live. Um, don't know if you lads did, but apparently dominated Zaha. I'm um, not sure if I fully believe that, um, but uh, it, 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 he's opened it up to us, sort of the, the best free transfer that your club has ever had. Um, now, obviously, there's some some before. I, I could put a case um, for Thiago Silva uh, alone uh, so far, the impact he's had at Chelsea, um, but, but there's, there's a few more um, that I'll maybe get into afterwards. Steve, any pop into your head um, for United? It, it, not really um, a club known for free transfers. Um, none pop into my head, but maybe yourself could shine some light. Welcome, by the way. 
Hello, uh, welcome. Uh, and this is not just to troll Phil because he's not here, but Michael Owen is the one that jumped into my head, I think. Um, he's had good free transfers. No, 17 goals, 96 minute, win, 96 minute winner against Manchester City. Uh, I, I'll take that. Um, Laurent Blanc is another one probably that like really stands out. Um, when he joined Stan, like he was poor in his first season, but he kind of did improve after that and, um, helped him to a title. And it is going back like Jesus nearly 20 years when you think about it. But yeah, they're not a club really known for, for signing, um, free transfers. I suppose Ibrahimovic is probably the most high profile, but I don't think he made them any better. Um, he's your no, no, he, I, no, I don't think so. I'd say, he's the most, <laughs> I'd say he's the most high profile. I think Mike alone, just because of how much it annoyed um, Liverpool fans. Does Probably. he have more um, Premier League winner medals than Stephen Gerrard? He does. Oh, there you are. That one's, that one's got a, a hurt. I don't know. How, how long are we in? A minute and a half? Jerry's <laughs> 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 getting in there early. Oh, of course. Well, what would you say, Jerry? Arsenal ways? Uh, there's absolutely no dispute that so Campbell on a free from Tottenham, no doubt. Uh, Tottenham captain at the time, England international, great defender. What went on to be an invincible with with Arsenal won two league titles, to FA Cups. So, and I mean it was just great because I think the week before he signed for us, um, he done a a post game <laughs> interview with I can't remember who the uh, the, the person was was interviewing, but. He basically told her that, yeah, I'm staying at Tottenham. And then a week later, he's staying for Arsenal, you know, on the free. <laughs> you know, I, I just, I don't really see it getting any better than that, to be honest, then going on and win the, win the league. Uh, at their ground as well, by the way. Can I just note, he won it at White Hart Lane for Arsenal. So, yeah. I feel like you've maybe mentioned that before. I definitely probably have mentioned it more than once. <laughs> I even think I, I remember you mentioned the Sol Campbell thing sometime this season and we're only like four or five shows in <laughs> um, yeah um, I mean Chelsea uh, once um, once Phil sent that that little voice note in um, a few popped into my head obviously Thiago Silva being the most um, recent one and after his performance there on Sunday against Spurs um, obviously Fresh in my head. Um, Michael Ballack was a free transfer to Chelsea. Um, had a great impact. Um, was obviously a massive player at the time. Um, just having to run out of contract. Drogba, when he came back, back the second time, was a free transfer for Chelsea. Um, came back and won, won a couple of trophies there. Um, and slightly um, <clears throat> before my time, um, Ruth Hollis. Steve, probably more in, in your... Um, Childhood growing up, but uh, um, I think he was. Um, sorry, sorry. It's true, but it's harsh. But true. <laughs> um, <laughs> he, this is sorry. I forgot. It's a, it's a, it's a Liverpool slag and pause. Yeah, Jesus just, Christ. Yeah, I'll stick to the program. Um, it, to be fair, it probably would have been Phil's um, fella and, and Paddy's um, childhood growing up as well. The old bastards. Um, but. He, he was um he was the number one on a lot of lists that I looked at. Um the impact he had. I think he was I was pretty a pretty big coup for Chelsea um at that stage in in, night, in the sort of mid nineties um to bring him in. Um I don't know how how James Milner stacks up against those others. Um 
I think, Johnny, you've probably won it there with the list of accolades that you have probably written down on your wall somewhere um, about <laughs> Sol Campbell. That he's just out. Um, that's pretty impressive resume that he had switching for a, tr- a free transfer from your closest <laughs> rivals. Um, <laughs> um, I mean, but, in the grand scale of things, you got Ashley Cole for, I think it was 12 million on fucking William Gallas, so I'm pretty sure that runs close as well. You know, best left back in the world, probably one of the best left backs ever. And she's got him for fuck all. And we got William Gallas, who tore us down from the inside. So. <laughs> the Ali feels like the most important Chelsea signing, a free agent, or free transfer signing, doesn't he? The Ali, because he seemed to like, he, he, he felt like he sparked the, the era of like, glamour at Chelsea. They weren't just, Mm-hmm. You know, Chelsea anymore. They were like, yeah, he was a reigning European champion when he signed, I think, wasn't he? Uh, I know that's going back no, before your time. Wouldn't say. Yeah, I feel like he was. I feel like Juventus had won the, the European Cup the season before. Um, but like, I, I'm still amazed. It's one of those players that you kind of go, how, how did they get him for free? But then, you know, Juventus were a shit show then as much as they are now. So. Yeah, and it, it, it was, I suppose, um, one of the players which, you know, when you look back on it, oh, he still got such a, a great standing at the club and, and left such a legacy as well, which I suppose you have to look at too. Um, I think the same would, um, same would apply to Sol Campbell too, uh, Jerry. I think he's, he's, um, he's been, you know, he's always, he's always there, you know, uh, when there's some sort of, Arsenal event on, he's always there in the suit and tie, like, and um, he must represent at some level, does he? Uh, uh, at Arsenal, I, I feel like I've seen him there a lot. Ah, uh, he, he pops in and out. Um, I don't know if you've ever seen the videos of Soul Campbell that go around the Twitterverse. Um, it's just Soul Campbell talking about Arsenal winning a game. It's so funny. Um, he's like, yes. Three points to the Arsenal. Like he's just such a weirdo. Like <laughs> it's great. It's great watch for about two minutes. Like if you ever find any of so big souls videos, like they're great. Like uh, I mean, his legacy is that good that he can't go back near Tottenham anymore. Um, I think he was one of the only past players that didn't get invited to play in their. They had like a, a game to play at the new White Hart Lane Stadium, and he didn't get invited. So you know, what a guy! Fucking legend, love him. Yeah, I think of. I've seen him um, as a pundit a, f- a few times, and it always surprises me how like softly yeah. spoken he is, for yeah. or how much of kind of a killer he was uh, at centre half. Like um, it doesn't seem like he would have that sort of a voice. Um, <laughs> but I think he's, he's actually quite um, he's quite good. He's quite astute and uh, as a pundit, I think. Yeah, he was a good coach as well. From like I didn't follow him religiously when he was at where was he? Was it Macclesfield or something like that? And he mm. had a had a decent enough record. He kept them up. Um, but then he just uh, there's obviously things that go on in English football that we don't quite understand. Like, but he felt like he could go up another level, maybe the Championship or even Premier League club, and he just never got the opportunity. But I imagine so will will get his opportunity eventually. He he has a great knowledge of the game and he was a great defender. Like and, he does. He has, like he said, he would gladly go into Arsenal a few days a week and help out the team if they asked him to. So I, mean, I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't be against him coming back. For mm. a couple of days. I was, was going to ask you. I think we've um, 
kind of spoken about it or, or mentioned it before um, about we're seeing it at United now, obviously with Ole in charge, Carrick's involved, Flasher's involved. Um, I think there might be a few other sort of. Is Wes Brown involved, Steve? Uh, I thought he was, but he might not be this season. Uh, okay. So, like he was, he was definitely around. Um, yeah. But no, I don't think he still is this year. I thought I randomly saw him in the um, the announcement of Ronaldo in one of those videos. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think he did. Like, I think, I think yeah. he was. I think he was involved in some sort of capacity. Yeah. Did he interview I mean, him on, on Old Trafford Pitch or something? He might be on. Yeah, he might be with MUTV though. Is he rather than with the club? Possibly. It, it sounds. It sounds so stupid. Like that. Wes Brown was also um, in the. Like it's possibly. One of the worst players you could think of to purr alongside Ronaldo. Like, um, but um, yeah, I think I, I, it must be it must be an MUTV thing. But uh, my wider point was um, about former players obviously being involved, and it's something that I think would maybe help Arsenal. You know, if you, I know you've spoken Johnny in the past about getting Tony Adams in and um, you know to sh- shake it up, or somebody like Ray Parler, or you know the boys who. Who kind of understand? I know we'll 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 kind of segue this into a, a bit of an Arsenal speak, but um, do you think that's something that could benefit not just the players, but I think possibly Arteta as well, give him a bit of support with you know with um, people that he knows or you know people around his era? Well, I think Ray Porter is involved with the club um, more on a commercial side. He goes out and gets pissed with all our you know sponsors and stuff. The man's in great shape for the amount of drinking he does, I have to be honest. Um, a Perth Murdersacker runs the academy at Arsenal now, and he's, he's got a lot of praise for how well he's actually done there. Um, in terms of Arteta bringing back players that he played alongside or even worked with, you know, a lot of those players weren't really, you know, the likes of your legendary status, you know, the likes of Tony Adams or Red Parler, so I, I don't know in what capacity or help there would be to him. Um, See, I don't think they have to be. I think I think sometimes with names, you run into egos and you run into, like, oh, remember my day and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. I think with kind of lesser players, you maybe get more out with them on the coaching staff. But I do feel there's a there's a benefit to having... I mean, I'm just looking at Arsenal's coaching staff, and it's obviously a very, you know, their their guys are Ted and O's. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. But, it doesn't feel like an Arsenal coaching staff. Does that make sense? Like it. Oh, they're they're quite young. A lot yeah. From, from what I from what I read about them, he, he brought in a lot of guys to basically give them their first opportunity in coaching, which again could be seen as a bit of a mistake. Maybe it's too early for them, but totally see what like you see at Man United, they they have Michael Carrick, Darren Fletcher, and Wes Brown. Now, don't get me wrong, we're very good players for Man United, but you wouldn't hold them on the same pedestal as. Wayne Rooney, Cristiano Ronaldo, you know, David Beckham, you know, those sort of players, those massive brands of players. Because like you said, they could have egos and they probably wouldn't be in for more of the, the team ethical things the way like maybe Darren Fletcher would or Michael yeah. Carrick. Like a lot of Man United fans I speak to say Michael Carrick was massively underrated outside of Man United. Someone's writing a message to me. Who is that? Is that you, Brent? Writing messages. I'm not. Getting, I have everything turned off except this. Like, it's not me getting. <laughs> I'm getting. I'm getting for the listeners, I'm getting blamed for something that I'm not doing here. It's unbelievable. <laughs> we're, we're trying to 
put out quality content there and these messages are popping up on our screens while we're trying to talk. It's just <laughs> I don't even know what the hell we were talking about now. Wes Brown. Michael Carrick. Michael Carrick, yeah. Well, Steve, what do you think of Michael Carrick? Do you think he was underrated or money Uh I think he was perfectly rated. <laughs> and actually brings me back to the point on James Milner. I think Liverpool fans completely overrate James Milner compared to, you know, anyone with eyes. Um <laughs> like what what's he actually done for Liverpool? Like can you He runs a lot. You know, yeah. he's a trier. You know, God love him, he is a trier. That's what he does. Like, That's what he gives what him. What is Fred? Like, so Fred runs a lot, but I wouldn't credit him doing anything for Manchester United because of it. So, like, I'm just, I, I don't get it. Um, Phil's head will be exploding when he hears you're comparing James Milner to Fred. Well, he's basically I'm the same I'm player. Board. Yeah, yeah. they're basically the same player. Pass the ball sideways, pass the ball backwards, you know, take up Fred space in the middle of the field. You know, it's, you know, it's there's a very similar style of play there. Um, I think Michael Carrick. Uh, the the talk is that he'll get a a managerial job after this is finished. That he'll stick it out with Oscar, however long that lasts. Um, but I don't like. I'm not sure he was ever a great player, but he was fine. Like I, I always, I, I think I. He came along in an era that were, you know, United were transitioning from having Roy Keane playing in centre midfield, and you know, it's very difficult to live up to to that, um, especially because I think he wore sixteen for a while as well, didn't he? Um, yeah, I think he did. Yeah. yeah. So like that, that was never a, a never never an easy jersey to fill for him, but but he was fine, and he obviously has, I think he a decent role of honour with United. Was it? Five Premier Leagues? Yeah, he he won quite a bit. Yeah. And and a Champions League. Yeah. Was it one or two? One? Uh, No, it was only one, I think. Only one. Still. Yeah, Yeah, no. Still won a Champions League. Yeah. Like, uh, I think he pretty much won everything you could win with the club. Like, but again, if you were to ask me to list my my favourite or the best Manchester United midfielders, Carrick wouldn't even cross my mind, you know? But that's but I but that's fine because that goes back to my point about managerial staff. Like maybe the better, the more in the background you kind of were as a player, the the better you you're suited for management. We see it with I think we again going back to the aforementioned Roy Keane. Like part of his issue as a manager is that he doesn't see any of the players he's coaching as being as good as he was, uh-huh. and so his standards and his expectations for them are too high, and that creates conflict in the dressing room. Whereas. You don't necessarily want a doormat like Ole as as manager either, but like <laughs> at the same time, there, there's a balance to be struck. And I think Carrick, I, I get sense he's going to make a very very good manager one of these days if he wants it. Like he he's he's obviously earned enough in his career that he doesn't need to do it. But I feel like that's the kind of player Arsenal are missing. Someone who was around the club for seven, eight, nine, ten years, but not necessarily a superstar. They're the kind of players you want in to come back into management and to they know the club. They, like and culture means a lot. Like you, you might say it doesn't, but it does mean a lot. It means a huge amount, especially to fans, because you can, you know, a lot of the slack that Solskjaer gets from United fans is because of you know he meant so much to the club and he clearly buys into the the culture that Ferguson established at the club, and that gives him a lot more leeway than say if he was getting these same results and these performances. And he wasn't, you know, known in the club the way he is. So he's I think he's people give you a bit more leeway. Um, and look, Arteta, something has clearly like switched for Arsenal over the last few weeks. I don't think there's any doubt that 
there's been an improvement there. But is it long term sustainable when, you know, we feel like it's the same issues popping up time and time again? Where Arsenal, hard to know, like only time will tell, but it does feel like that coaching staff is missing just something. Yeah, potentially, like, you know, we we got a decent result on Saturday. Um, I mean, it was nice to see, for example, Tierney went down injured. And I can't remember the Burnley player, but he tried to have a go at him and Ramsdale and Gabriel were straight in, like, get away the fuck. And, like, I think it's good to have that back in the team where there's players that are willing to stand by their teammates, whereas before, you know, when Doozy done it to a degree, but he done it completely the wrong way. Um, but you're, you're right, you know, it's it's all right beating Burnley one nil and I think it was Norwich one nil before and it, it's coming into the big like this Sunday will be a test absolutely against Tottenham you know there's no doubt form out the window in a North London derby um so it'll be interesting to see what what Arsenal and Atleta have up their sleeve and I mean watching Chelsea yesterday like I I texted you and said and we can move on to Chelsea and Spurs here now you know, Spurs are a one trick pony they've only hit the ball long to Son and hope he gets in behind Chelsea were so comfortable. You know, they, I mean, there was a period in the game, maybe the first half where Spurs were getting a wee bit into the game, but I mean, Chelsea dominated that game, like, dominated it. Like, Spurs didn't really have a sniff bar, I think, one Harry Kane shot he got on target. Um, and I'm sure, Brandon, you're delighted. That's, that's three times you've played now at Tottenham's new stadium. I think you've scored three goals, maybe each time you've been there, and they haven't scored a goal against you. And I think there, there's a, there's a problem there. And I think, you know, Steve, I think it was you, Steve, maybe say you want to touch on it. There's a problem maybe there with Harry Kane. I think that was Phil who dropped that bomb and then <laughs> left, decided he wasn't the podcast. Yeah, <laughs> but no, I, th- I think there, I think there, like Brendan would have watched the game more, more closely than I was. I was kind of half watching it yesterday when I was playing with the kids, but he feels like one of those players, a bit like the way Mane has been playing this season for Liverpool. That yeah, he might get the odd goal here and there, but that he's costing attacks more than he's you know helping create them um he looks a player he looked the player in the in the euros bang out of form until late on in the euros and now he's kind of continued that form into the season and but he's also the sort of player can you bench him after everything that went on in the summer i don't know if you can but i think on the other on the other side i mean not to like put a curse on them but it's chelsea's title to lose i think that's really oh, the first guy game so, I mean, they are by far, to me, the best team in, in the league. 12 goals for one against. Don't look like conceding. Like, Spurs, the, the, I can think of one chance. There was a really good ball through to Son, and the keeper came out and he kind of played sweeper on it. And that was really it from, like, like decent chances that I saw in the first half or whatever. So, like... There's there's a lot of solidity there at the back. We said last year that that was the first thing that Tuchel fixed when he came in. They're getting goals, might not necessarily between be from the players that you imagine the goals would be come from, but they're getting them. Um, like where's the weakness with Chelsea? I don't, I just don't see it. Um, well, thanks for putting a curse on. That means we're definitely not going to win. So you're welcome. That's great. Um, I feel like. Neville and Carragher are also doing that. Um, they're every time you listen to them, they're massively bigging up Chelsea, and they don't want to speak about their own team because they're afraid they're going to curse them. So, um, we're just getting all of that flack. Um, but the man actually seems to be it seems to be working okay. Um, Chelsea have played, um, you know, Arsenal and Liverpool 
and Spurs away from home now um, and conceded one goal. So that is a massive plus. Um, I, I think a problem would arrive if Lukaku got injured, definitely. Um, that's the one weakness that I, I think um, Tuchel would be worried about. Like, for example, I don't think you'll see him anywhere near that Carabao Cup game um, during the week. Um, I think there's enough players who probably need a game as well to to play in that game. Um, Werner being one, Ziyech being another. Um, who, who need? He's in right at the moment. Yeah, um, Phil Phil um, did try and get a wee jab in about Mount, um, but Mount's my boy. Like um, he he had an unbelievable year last year. I think he Tugel obviously recognised that he. Um, he wasn't maybe up to standard at the weekend and um, took him off at half time. I think he's, I think he's played a lot of football. He, he played fifty odd games for Chelsea and um, played throughout the Euros. Um, didn't get that much of a break. I think he, um, you know, Alexa Reece James has has had rest since he's come back to Chelsea. Um, Mount has sent off. Yeah. Um, <laughs> But I, he was re- he has been rested also. On Chilwell, Chilwell's got ridiculous rest. What's going on there? I had a night on the same brand, and I'm not happy. I had to take him out because he's got me zero points all season. Yeah. Um, do you know what Alonso's been unbelievable? That's why. Uh, you know, he he actually can't. He playing. I playing the Carabao Cup. Chilwell. Um, I, I think I don't think Togo was overly happy with him not getting. Any games during the Euros? I think there was a game. Was it England Ukraine? Maybe. Um, they were winning like three 0 and he brought on fucking Trippier to play a left back. Um, instead of Chilwell, like that is disgraceful. I think. Um, but yeah, he didn't get a kick obviously in the Euros, and then he was obviously unfit coming into the start of the season. I think Chilwell will eventually get back into the team. He's a better defender, but Alonso's just on a streak now. Um, of form. And he absolutely loves playing against Spurs, so he wasn't going to miss that game. Um, it was times he was, yeah, it was times he was up there actually in Lukaku's way. And, yeah, um, yeah, just that Spurs were not offering anything going forward. He was um, constantly in their half. But um, yeah, Steve, you're right. Like I, I can't see any other weakness at the minute. Thiago Silva, I was worried. Like Jerry mentioned, the first sort of ten, fifteen minutes, they were obviously targeted. Thiago Silva's pace with Son and um, I was worried about that um, I thought that that would work that tactic but Thiago Silva is so good at I think reading what's going to happen before it actually happens that he was stepping in and you know he was um, winning headers that they were trying to he was dropping back a wee bit winning headers that they were trying to play over the top and Son wasn't in the game at all after that um, so with him and Rudiger and Christensen and then you've the likes of Chalaba on the bench. I haven't even seen Melanxar this season, who, who potentially play in, in the Carabao Cup uh, during the week as well. Like the strength and depth kind of all over the place. Kovacic has had a deadly start to the season. Um, and we know that Kante and Jorginho have been um, brilliant, you know, um, all of last season and um, continued into this season. So, and obviously then Lukaku has come straight in and started scoring goals. Um, it's given a boost up top. It's taken a bit of pressure off. So, yeah, it looks good. They've, they've a massive game, obviously, against City. Um, 
at lunchtime on Saturday. So if they can get a win there, um, that'll really set them up for for their next run of games. You know, I don't think the games after that are are particularly testing for a while. Um, but to get through that those sort of first six games uh, with the teams that they've been playing on the on the difficulty level, um, is massive. Um, especially you know coming into having to obviously play Champions League midweek as well it would take away a bit of pressure off. Um, but you were mentioning Steve how um Solskjaer is a bit of a doormat. Um, <laughs> he also something he can be accused of is his in-game tactics. We have talked about it so much. Did he get away with one at the weekend? He, he took off Fred and put on Matic. Yeah, he's, he, what? What is he, that? I don't about? know. I don't know. I don't understand um, the thought process behind some of his subs. His, his substitutions have been the biggest bone of contention, I think, among Manchester United fans um, since the start. He makes them too late, and then he makes the oddest substitutions you can imagine. Imagine, like, I was looking, <laughs> I was looking at the the game, and 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 I I just saw when I saw that, like, I heard Matic was warming up. I was thinking at this stage it was like 80, 80 odd minutes, and you know they needed a goal to try and to rescue Audrey. and he was making a substitution to secure the draw. <laughs> like he was literally bringing on Matic to to secure the draw, and I'm thinking like Jesus. Martial, or even fucking 50-year-old Juan Mata, at least bring someone in who might go forward and, and attack the game. But the, I think the the oddest thing is that they have played exactly the same against Wolves, Newcastle, Young Boys, and West Ham. And somehow have three wins in there and one loss. And yet they've played at the exact same level for all four games. And that's not a very good level. They're playing somewhere between second and third gear. Um, and the difference is, has, has been like as much as it's frustrating because again, I, I'm not a fan of the signing has been Ronaldo. He just feels inevitable he's going to score in, in, in every game. And he, he's bailing out Southgate to such an extent at the moment that you have to wonder at what stage he starts managing the team. Um, because already you can, you can feel that United have changed the way they attack to suit the new Ronaldo um, and how he's, you know, very much a stationary in and around the box, out and out forward now. Uh, and that's not necessarily, a, from a football point of view, it's not actually necessarily a bad thing because there was a couple of balls that Fernandez put into the box. And honestly, like, if the two of them connect, it's undefendable. Like it, it, it even the the goal. Like I mean, the first shot should have been a goal. It shouldn't have bounced back out to him for the tap in. Like I mean, it was such a great ball in. Um, that he really should have done a better job finishing it. And there was a couple of passes like that in there. So yeah, Solskjaer's substitutions and management has just been, just been so strange. But like, look, he brought Lingard on and. You know, there might have been a case for letting Lingard sit and stew about what happens uh, during the week against Jung Boys. But there's no doubt he redeemed himself. And there's a player who now has instantly bounced back from a setback. And from a man management point of view, like, 
he can't have imagined that when he sent Lingard on, he was going to do what he did. And, you know, I wouldn't quite classify it as a worldy, but maybe a continentally. Um, it was a decent, decent finish. Uh, but none of this is thanks to Solskjaer. It's all in spite of him. Um, <laughs> and that's, it's the hardest thing to get around because like you're, you're watching it and you're going, okay, this is demonstrably a good Manchester United team. It's, probably the best Manchester United team in a decade and yet they're scraping wins against Newcastle and Wolves and West Ham and I know West Ham had a great season last season but like I was watching them and there were no great shakes like they're really like they without Antonio up front they really do they're really blunt like they really are blunt um, and yet they were troubling United you know um, De Gea made a couple of great saves aside from the penalty and like don't get me started on what David Moyes did with the penalty decision, but like, um, it was like the 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 current and former Manchester United coach were trying to outdose each other. Like it was just it was it, it was one of the worst displays of management on both sides I've seen in a long time. <laughs> should West Ham have had another penalty there to let you? Um, no, but Manchester United should have had about five, and I don't know what VAR were doing with that. Like uh, some of the, like I, I think it's really good that VAR has sped up. I think that has been a massive positive this season. But Ronaldo yeah. was mown down in the box. He was absolutely cleared out of it with no contact on the football whatsoever. How yeah. like, just seconds before West Ham and the West Ham penalty was absolutely penalty. What Luke Shaw is doing with his hand out there, he must have thought there was a dessert out there or something. But <laughs> yeah, like well, there's there, no. There was one penalty that from Ronaldo, that Ronaldo went down that I thought should have been given. The other two, one of them I would say definitely not. There was another one that I think if he had just kept his run going. He would have got the penalty, but as he anticipated, the leg was coming out from, I think it was Kurzuma, and he yeah. kind of leaped into the air just prior to contact, and I think maybe that's why he didn't get it, but yeah, definitely, like United should have had, should have had another penalty, or a penalty. Did it suit foul? It was suit foul, yeah. Yeah. That was a penalty. The thing about that one is, right, if that had been given a penalty, there's no way VAR is overruling it, or even the referee going to the monitor is overruling it. But they had this, he, the referee had decided that um, he wasn't giving United a penalty in this game. And, like, there was a couple of, like, the fact he didn't even go to the monitor for that was just odd to me. Like, that, that VAR didn't ask him to go to the monitor. They seemed so certain on both the penalties. Like, there was one in the first half, I think, a shout in the first half that wasn't the penalty. But the, the other two, like, you could make it a legitimate claim for. But, the, look, United haven't got a penalty this season and, and people go on about United and penalties and, and her decisions and <laughs> all the evidence points to their way. And, um, I, it's so, I, I don't know how to feel about this season because, obviously, the Leeds game, they were excellent. They were really, really, really good. But they've been poor since and yet they're grinding out results. And, you know, you have to say, like, is that the sign of a good team that they get results or is it just the sign of a really lucky team? And... And know, maybe it's good to be both. Like the 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 thing I would maybe question is it's a team. Yes, it's it's obviously good to not play well and and great results, but it's it's the teams they're playing that would worry me. Yeah. Um, I, I think they've had a relatively easy start in the league. Um, and I would particularly like to see the effect Ronaldo's going to have when they play Leicester when they play Liverpool. Um, I'm just looking at their fixtures. Even Everton, you know, they play Everton, then Leicester, then Liverpool, then Tottenham in the league. That run of four games um, will be interesting. 
But because... the thing is, I've never had an like the one thing Solskjaer has actually done well is 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 against the the top teams. It's it's these games that United have traditionally thrown away over the last few years. Mm. I'm actually not the only one, the only team on the top kind of five or six that I'd be worried about them playing is Brighton, probably, to be honest. Oh, fuck um, them, Steve. Yeah. Um, I think they're set up to be the exact kind of team that, you know, it just really struggled to break down. I think they'll relish playing Liverpool because Liverpool will want to attack. I think Chelsea offer enough going forward that United can take advantage. It's teams who are defensive that they really, really still struggle. Like, he still hasn't solved that issue about breaking down teams. Um, so, yeah, that's probably... That would be the biggest concern would be Brighton, I think, of of, of the top six at the moment. I would just, um, in particular, though, obviously the, the record under Solskjaer has been quite decent against the, the big sides, but Ronaldo, you know, I, I think he obviously relishes playing those games, but I don't, I'm not sure, and it'll probably come back to bite me in the ass, but of his impact, um, and you know, in those big games we you know saw a couple of the t- big Champions League games you know his impact sort of not being as mm. as it was in the past um but and not that United or would be carrying him but you know with teams who are going to have good possession of the football um Ronaldo I mean he's not a tracker um no. he, he is not he does not work at all, like, and uh, p- potentially they could get caught in some of those games. But then, you know, I suppose the argument is he's up there to to catch these the likes of Liverpool's and, and Chelsea's and whatnot on the break. Yeah, and I think there was like there was a, like he actually didn't have a good game in front of goal on Saturday, and he still found the back of the net. And you know, there's one chance where he, you know his first touch let him down and that's surprising to see and things like that. Like, and he, he can't afford those mistakes against the likes of Liverpool, the likes of Chelsea because you won't get, you might you might get two chances in a game and you have to, you really have to capitalise on them. Um, but the thing is, like, you look at the results and, you know, Varane has obviously made a difference at the back. Obviously he, you know, the ball, he didn't really have much, you know, of a say in, 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 in the West Ham goal. Like, it kind of did written, take a massive deflection off him. Yeah. But I don't, I think they look, with the exception of Wan-Bissaka, who is an absolute liability, I think they look really good at the back. I know they've conceded more, like, obviously they've, they've conceded four compared to Liverpool and Chelsea when he conceded one each. Um, But I do think they look significantly better at the back this year. Um... With that exception of the, the, they're absolutely be able to got at down the left wing, which is why I feel like the Liverpool game not necessarily that suits them, but I wouldn't be as worried because it, I'd I'd be much more concerned if it was Trent on Mombasaka than it was on Luke Shaw, you know. Um, and one thing I've noticed, I I went on about this on the pod last year all the time about Harry Maguire not being really good at looking over his shoulder, um. Mm. He doesn't matter now because Ran or Shaw is usually there, depending on the direction he's going. So he's got so much more help now. It's not as big a deal. I think the one thing, the one weakness they're showing is that when they aren't in possession, the back four sits so deep. It's almost inviting shots on. And that, then you see the deflection like West Ham got on, uh, on, on Sunday. 
And that is a concern. It's something that you, you'd want to keep an eye out for because I think De Gea has had a decent start to the season, but he can't have turned it around like that. Do you know what I mean? He, he had significantly yeah. declined as a goalkeeper. When's the mistake coming? And I just feel like it may come in a big moment as well. So. Yeah, we're, we're, we're obviously talking about, um, United and won, by the way, and this is how depressed I am about it all. Like this is how poor it's been. They won, and this is how like this is how much Solskjaer is annoying me. Do, do you like watching United at the minute? I like watching them more than I did under Van Hal or Moyes. Yeah, but mostly because like literally anything could happen. Like do you know what I mean? It's it's more from an entertainment point of view than a than a fan point of view. Like I, I was watching the young boys game and I turned to my wife at one stage when it was um early in the first half and I said, This is absolutely nailed on for United loss and then the sending off happened and I was like, Yep, that's this is where we're going and it's just sometimes it just feels like inevitable a little bit, um, that they're going to absolutely mess it up. Um Do I like watching them? Like I love watching Fernandez. I think Pogba's been great to watch. It's nice to see the Hayes finding some form. But again, with Solskjaer being who he is and the allegations hanging over Ronaldo, it, it's, it is difficult to enjoy his success, um, as part of it. And I have really conflicting feelings about it still. And that's, that, that's the hardest bit to kind of square that circle is like knowing the allegations against them and then trying to separate that from the footballer and it's really difficult and maybe you shouldn't have maybe you shouldn't do that because football like yeah sometimes it's an escape but sometimes it's you know it's not to be all and end all of either uh, of everything either and that's a long way of answering yes I do enjoy it but they break my heart <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh, that that point um that Ronaldo point I I can understand that that I can imagine that's very, very hard because the everything. Say you watch the build up to a game, um, and the afterwards, the the interviews, whatever. Then you know it's it's all about him from start to finish, and it's all about how good is he, how you know superlatives right throughout. And and as you said during the game, he, he's hitting those levels, he's performing, he's scoring goals. He's bringing your team success. And then you go on to social media after and everybody's talking about him as well. Everybody's singing his praises. It's, you know, you have to, you know, and, and we have all read the allegations and, um, but you have to seek those out. You have to really, um, want to find them, um, to kind of uncover what, you know, as you mentioned, the allegations. Um, so, I sympathise in a way as much as I can sympathise with the United fan um, <laughs> about about that side of it um, because you know I know a lot of people who um, know Ronaldo from his previous time at United and he's come back and he's, he's doing the exact same and they they love him of course they do um, because. I, 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 I have a very close friend who's a United fan and like, you know, when the signing was kind of teased by Ferdinand that day, he started talking about how excited he was and I just kept thinking like, I, I don't know how he can set aside 
the other stuff, the off the field stuff and the seriousness of those allegations that and it's still going on. It's not like that case is closed. Like I think it I think it has been well hidden though, to be honest. Like it's like like you said, Brandon, you really have to search out for it. Oh yeah, hundred percent like for example, like even yesterday I was sitting with my fiance and her mum and telling them about Mania won and Ronaldo scored and she said, Oh, he's he's a really good person, isn't he? You know, he does, does a lot of charity and stuff and all this here and I'm like Really? Like, have you not heard about all the other stuff that's been going on? She was like, no. I mean, like, you know, she had no idea about this whole allegation against Ronaldo. And, like, that just proves the point that it's just been so well hidden in the media because, like, he's such a global superstar and he brings so much attraction to, at the moment, the Premier League. And, like you say, every friggin' media outlet you watch now, it's all about Ronaldo. And I don't know if, you, if you've seen on Twitter, maybe yesterday, was it? I think it might have been gold.com or whoever put it out. That said, Ronaldo isn't a top-end merchant, and then there's a photo of Ronaldo literally topping the ball into the net. <laughs> it's just, it's just stupid, like you know. And I totally get it, like you know, they're, they're, once Ronaldo goes, that's that's it, and of course his legacy will live on. But what's happened to this this woman and the experience she's went through will live with her for the rest of her life, you know, and it can scar her mentally, like you know. And yeah, people it's... don't want to think about that. No, they don't, and it's 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 a huge discussion, and it's one you could spend like two hours talking about, like that that we let men, and it's usually men, and it's, but not always, but it's usually men away with so much more because they happen to be good at sports than you would in a wider society. Like if Ronaldo was a shit hot accountant, would he get away with you know what he's accused of of doing, and or would would people talk about him without mentioning it the way they do? Like it's. It's a really complicated one, and like we look to sport for an escape. But how many times in this podcast have we talked about like Qatar and about you know what you know the the money where the money comes from behind PSG and things like that? It's not just sport; it's more than that. It's it's it 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 is all the other things that we face in our day to day life, and you know I I it, I'm really struggling with it. like I'm re- like I, I've I've texted the group like when United are playing and kind of ignoring Ronaldo's goals in in games as much as I can. But like if he keeps doing it, you can't keep ignoring it. But all we can do and 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 I, I said this on Twitter like is every time we mention Ronaldo, if we talk about Catherine Mayorga, who's the woman who made the allegations, like at least acknowledge that it's there. We we don't have to go into it in detail every time, but. This is part of the Ronaldo character now, and and uh, at least if we mention her name and and her story and what she has to live with, well, then it's something. It's all it's a minimal thing we can do, but it, it's something. Yeah, and I think you know we are doing that. We are trying to do that, um, and you are leading us in that. So if if we, um, well, I don't think it's going to ha- happen to any of us. I was going to say if, if any of us get carried away with with the impact Ronaldo's having, you know, bring bring us back down to earth. Um, but uh, you know, if, if that happens to anyone, it's going to be you. Um, but he's he's um he's he's going to flop against the big teams. I'll just say it. Or I've said it. I hope so. Um, I, I, I kind of hope so because, like, it, it is—it is literally the only thing that Manchester. It, that's all anyone is talking about right now is Ronaldo, and I think it's—it's it's not really shining a light on how good Pogba has been this season. How, like, people said Fernandez couldn't play with Ronaldo, and he's shown that he could. Greenwood's been really good, but on the other side, it's also hiding a lot of things. Like, I think Sancho has been poor, uh, considering mm. the money they spent, and he's—he's he's really young. I get it. I get it. 
But I'm not seeing it. I'm not seeing what he was doing in the Bundesliga and the Premier League at all. And that was the concern. Um, it's the similarities with, with Pepe, um, yeah. thrown into the Sancho thing as well. Like Pepe came in for a big price tag, you know, performed well in the league and just hasn't really done it on a consistent basis in the Premier League. Of course, Sancho still has time. He's still a young lad. Um, yeah. the impact of Ronaldo, you know, has, Absolutely overshadowed the fact that United spent eighty odd million or whatever it was on Sancho, um, yeah. and he may he, he probably will you know. Yeah, he has loads of time, but like I, if I was a team in the top four considering a bid for Jude Bellingham, it would give me pause for thought. That's all I'm saying. Mm. And that team is Liverpool. I would imagine it is indeed. Um, and I mentioned to you that I had concerns about Liverpool, so let's go. Um, they so far, you know, Liverpool are, are joint top of the league, but they have played Norwich, Burnley, Leeds, who had a man sent off, and Crystal Palace in those ge- in those games. They drew with Chelsea, who also had a man sent off. Um, oh, throwing that one in there, Brenton. <laughs> Yeah, and they they couldn't um they couldn't break it down and uh, um Chelsea you know if if any of those teams looked like they before at eleven aside looked like they were going to go and win that game um and we saw them concede and struggle against Milan um do they have my question would be do they have a good enough squad to win the league. Go on ahead, Steve. No. <laughs> I think no is the answer. I think that's, I think starting 11 for starting, pound for pound starting 11, they're absolutely right up there with Chelsea and United. Uh, ahead of City, I would say. Um, but when you go into the depths of the squad, it's just not there, I don't think. Uh, like, I think Liverpool fans overrate Liverpool players, um, as we saw with the James Milner conversation earlier on. Um, heads are exploding. Heads are exploding. <laughs> well, like, you can, you can, like, they should have been 1-0 down inside two minutes against Crystal Palace. Like, a couple of inches the other side, and that's a really, really good goal by Crystal Palace to, to start the game. And then it's a very, very different game. Yeah, you're like, right. If you're playing, if you're having to start James Milner at rifle back in a Premier League game, I mean, how good is the depth of your squad? Like, I just, I just don't see it. Um, for Liverpool, I think it's ultimately going to cost them. Um, but I also think, like, they, they have a relatively young, people go on about, like, the age of Liverpool squad. And someone put up a thing the other day about, like, oh, these, all these players are under 25. But with the exception of, Alexander Arnold, they were fringe players. Like, they were players who might get first team role in a Carabao Cup game or an FA Cup game. Um, and I think what's going to happen to Liverpool is that they will lose. I don't think, I think they have City's number. I think Klopp has City's number. But you can see them losing games to, to the likes of, you can see them losing to United twice, to be honest. Because I think they're set up for United to take advantage of them. 
Um, that could come back to haunt me. Make sure you clip that sound by for when you <laughs> inevitably lose the two games. Already <laughs> done, sir. Yeah, that's like, that's no, I thought no. It was out of my mouth and it was like, oh, why did you do that? Um, but no, I, uh, where, uh, I think there's the, the biggest issue. I think he scored again at the weekend. So it kind of belies my point, but. I've watched my, I've watched every Liverpool game this season because I'm you know I like to torture myself, and Mane is is costing them attack after attack after attack because he's yeah. so slow on the ball, he's so like ponderous, and then he comes up and he scores and everything's forgiven and it's like yeah but it's fucking Crystal Palace like you know you should be beating this team, <laughs> um and I know they did a good win over Spurs I I get that but that was like. A Patrick Vieira revenge game, so like you know, there was there was a bit of malice there that you, you you'd hope to see, but yeah, I, I, they don't have the squad to do to make a Champions League run and a Premier League run. They don't. Whereas Chelsea do, and I think City probably do. Ultimately, United are probably a player short, but Liverpool feel like they might be two or three, or maybe more players short of that kind of two front attack. So. That's where I like it's it's they're not a million miles off, but they are off the pace. Mm. Yeah, they're like I'll I'll read their I'll let you come in, John, in two seconds. They're bounced on Saturday. Navigator has been hot and cold, uh, I would say more cold in his Liverpool career. Joe Gomez obviously had the big injury, question marks over him. Oxley Chamberlain, who is most definitely a fringe player, can't really get any minutes. Curtis Jones is, is young. He, he's shown potential, but hasn't established himself in the team. Minamino has been dog shit at Liverpool, let's be honest. Um, Robertson was obviously rested. He was on the bench. Origi, I mean, doesn't probably get nearly enough chances to play, but, um, you know, he's not somebody you would rely on at centre forward. Nathaniel Phillips and Keevan Keller, that was their bench against Crystal Palace on Saturday and I just think it, it's not strong enough if you lose a, a Salah um, you know also Liverpool are going to lose Salah and Mane for goodness knows how long um, in January um, for the Africa Cup of Nations it's not been speaking about enough we saw um, when they didn't play Van Dijk what game was that they, they looked Super vulnerable. Um, it was in the Champions League, wasn't it? Um, is Naby Keita no. in Africa as well? Or is, where is he from? He's Ghanaian. Gana- oh. Yeah, he, he would be, wouldn't he, in the yeah. squad, surely? Yeah, you would think it would be. Um, yeah. Um, so, I mean, it, it reduces their, their squad right down and they don't have, you know, as I read out there, you know, they don't have quite the same quality that they can bring on. Um, and, you know, an injury or two, I think you're right in that the other sort of title challengers, if you will, have way more potential to, to bring off the bench, um, particularly... Chelsea and City, um, and United. Obviously, when when Cavani comes back fit, I don't mm. know if he's going to be on the bench or not, or if he's going to be playing. But the you know, as you said, Lingard is 
seems to be hitting form. He, he'll get you a goal. Um, Sancho's bound to hit form at some stage. You know, where he also you you were comparing him to Pepe, Johnny. I think he coming from the the Bundesliga. He, he reminds me of Havertz this um, season a wee bit, and and he grew and grew and got you know used to the um, the pace of the league and. Obviously, eventually scored the winner in the Champions League final. So, if Sancho gets anywhere near that, you'll be you'll be laughing. Um, but yeah, I just think, Johnny, do you agree that the Liverpool starting eleven, yes, is is good, very good, possibly the best in the league in world football, maybe at its full strength. But to win a league, you need more than that. Potentially, I I, I think it's. Probably they have to either go for the Champions League or the league this year. You know, I think like Steve said, I don't think they have the strength and depth to compete on both fronts. Um, but it's like Jurgen Klopp said in his post-match interview, he went into the lads at full time and said that was the most hard-fought three-nil win they've ever had. And you look at, it, I think it was Edward. He had a great chance the ball came over and he took a touch. And I thought when the ball came over, why not just hit that with the left foot and it was in. Yeah, and it was a bit of a bad touch, and Allison got out and cleared it. But you know, Palace had chances too. Um, I, I kind of think the three 0 kind of flattered Liverpool in the way, but they got their win in the end. And I, I think I can kind of understand what you're saying, Steve, about Liverpool fans kind of overrate some of their players. Like I've been the exact same with with my own club and some of our players. Like I definitely think some of the players have are a lot better than maybe what other people think. Um. But but like it's just it's just your own club. You love them. You love the players, especially cult heroes like Origi. Like I'm sure Phil loves Origi, but you know maybe the rest of us maybe don't rate him as much. Um, but one thing that kind of did bother me about about Klopp this week, and I love Jurgen Klopp. I think he's great, but he didn't do the press conference for the League Cup game. Mm. And like I mean, I get it. It's not a big competition. It's not really that important. But I think it's just it's just like Klopp thinks sometimes maybe he's just a bit. You know, it's not important to me. I don't need to be here. You know, it's part of your job. Like, you know, show a better respect at times for some of the competitions. I know you don't care. You can put out your reserves if you want to. Like, but at least, you know, show up and do the freaking press conference. Like, you know what I mean? And I Heads are exploding. Yeah, like, it's just, it's just my opinion. Like, I know Phil will completely disagree. And it's the same even with the FA Cup. He has no time for it. And that's completely fine. But I just think, like, you know, come on, like. You know, he didn't even show up at the press conference. I think, did he not show up for one of the league games, League Cup games of the last year, the year before? But I think maybe that's because they were at the Club World Cup, or they were going to the Club World Cup. They did the under 23 manager or something to do with it. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think, but I, I, I can kind of understand that one in a way. But hmm. no, I just sometimes just think for, for Jurgen, like, come on, wise up, lad, like, just go do the press conference. But yeah, I mean, like I said, it's either they go for the Champions League or the league this year. Um, I mean, they have six Champions Leagues, like, so. They might want to add the Premier League titles again, but I, I, obviously Firmino is out at the moment, right? Fair enough. But like you look at you look at the starting the, the front six that they played on Saturday: Henderson, Fabinho, Thiago, Salah, Jota, and Mane. Mm-hmm. Who do you bring up? Like who do you, if if they're not firing? If they if seventy minutes and it's nil nil, or one they're one nil down. Who do they bring off the bench? Because they that's where they're that's what they're missing. Like that's. That to me is the difference between them and a Chelsea and them and a City and even and even them and United. Like you know, United's bench is is arguably better. I I think I, you made a good point, Brendan. There, like I think if you were to pick a starting eleven, a full strength starting eleven, 
Liverpool probably have the edge over any team in world football. But it falls off a cliff after that. Like It really does. Um, Do you think they're looking at next year? Like I think Phil might have mentioned this before. You know, next summer, Haaland's going to be available. Maybe Mbappe. Like, I think Mbappe is due to go to Real Madrid anyway. But, you know, there's players next summer that are going to be available. Liverpool could definitely be in the mix for. And it's, it's like Chelsea last year. Like, Steve, you said that Chelsea were missing a striker. And yeah. went and got Lukaku. Yeah. Which potentially might rule them out of getting Haaland next summer. But you never know. You just never know what, what may, might be in the plans of Liverpool. You know, they might be thinking ahead. Like, yeah, we are a bit weak in some positions. But we're thinking next summer... We have a bit of extra money. We'll get in these top class players. I, like you, you were saying about Mane and stuff. Mane has been on a bit of a patchy bit of form recently, but seems to be <laughs> seems to be still scoring goals somehow. Yeah. But you know these guys are going to need replaced eventually, and they're going to need to get in younger players. That but like if you create twenty five chances in a game, you, your your striker should be scoring one of them. Definitely, yeah. Uh, Mane's, Mane's had the most shots in the Premier League this season. I, I'm probably going to be around the way, is it? I would say he's, he's well, well clear, like if second place. Uh, well, second place is Salah. He's only two clear of Salah, yeah, but he's um, he's six, six clear of Antonio, and Antonio's the top goal scorer in the league. So, yeah. you know, it. it Backs up what we're saying. So, um, Mane will not get those chances. That amount of chances. He's he, he's so. I, I couldn't believe the amount of chances he had. And it was at the Burnley game. He yeah. had honestly. He had about ten or eleven chances, and he scored in like the last minute. I think. Um, no, it wasn't that game. Um, he did score in that game. I can't remember what game it was, but um, it took him a long time to score. It was the Leeds game. Um, he scored in the 90 second minute after having so many, like, and I mean, they were clear, clear cut chances. Steve, you probably watched it. You said you watched all, all the Liverpool games. It was, I think I actually messaged in at the time and said, do Liverpool have a money problem? And if they, if he continues to have that form, um, they do have a problem because as you said, like, Firmino's not there at the minute, but, you know, he can blow hot and cold, um, and he's not a big goal getter. Um, suddenly you're, you're massively relying on Salah and teams will just, will just shut him down. Yeah. Big teams anyway. Uh, so. Like, I, I it, it's, there's no point in talking in what ifs, okay, right? But like, I know that the two resident Liverpool fans on this podcast are, are split in their opinion of Salah. But if Liverpool were to do Salah for an extended period of time because of injury, like, the goals do dry up really quickly, I think. Because Thiago's, they're not coming from Thiago. They're not coming from Jota. As you said, Firmino's never been a big goal getter. And Salah, or Mane, kind of relies heavily on the scraps from Salah's chances as well. So, yeah, yeah. I, that's, that, that, I think that's the difference. I think, you know, you mentioned Chelsea probably are in a bit of bother if Lukaku goes down. But theoretically, they have options there. Liverpool yeah. gets very tight very, very, very quickly. Um you know, where the opposite like you could ar- you could argue that well United coped and scored loads of goals last year without Ronaldo. They just rejigged their system and you know, they'd find a way to, to keep getting goals. City are obviously struggling to find an out and out attacker. Um 
uh, you know, this goal scoring by committee can only get you so far. You need a focal point for an attack. And right now for Liverpool, it's Salah and Mane is benefiting from the fact that he doesn't have to be, you know, the number one guy. But if he did, that team is in big trouble, I think. Yeah. Um, any more Liverpool passion? Johnny, you got any more? No, I think I'll, I think I'll leave them alone for this week. You know, plenty to get in with Phil on the Thursday night bubble, so there were plenty more then, I'm sure. I, I would just say There's one more. thing that, like, about Liverpool fans, like, there was a, a really good piece I saw doing the rounds on Twitter during the week about, like, their expectations. Like, Liverpool fans, without a shadow of a doubt, are the worst fans on Twitter. Because even when even when they're doing well, it's like you know the 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 team will post you know Liverpool win three nil you know the, a picture from the game and an innocuous tweet and it's like FSG out like where where's the investment you're going <laughs> just just relax like you know as as ownership goes you have probably the least problematic of the, the top four so like just just calm down a bit like. <laughs> I think that's something Phil would definitely agree with you. Yeah, I was just about to say. <laughs> I think that's that's the one thing from this whole podcast that Phil would probably agree on, um, is that Liverpool fans are the absolute worst. Um, but Thiago's still shit. There we go. There it is. Get the Steve agree. Steve agree. We've talked shit for so long, but uh, I'll squeeze in a... Um, uh, listener question here um, and, and the, the lads don't know about this um, so it's a wee surprise one um, we got a question from Mike Holt do you agree with Neville's statement on the four best teams in the world at the minute being in the Premiership being in the Premiership yeah uh, I'm assuming he's, he's saying the top four is what we think they are City United Chelsea and Liverpool He's, he's certainly, he's certainly not. I don't think he's talking about Arsenal. No, he's definitely not. Um, I mean, PSG have a great team on paper. Not doing well on the pitch, though. Not doing well on the pitch. No, definitely not. Um, Bayern. I feel like Bayern are ahead of United, like, mm. comfortably ahead of United. I think you can make the argument for again, just going on starting eleven. You could you could make the argument that Bayern are 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 ahead of United, but the other yeah. three it's Liverpool, City, and Chelsea. It's hard to disagree with. But Chelsea are, or the City aren't. You know we they tend to get ignored on this podcast just by the numbers of you know of, of yeah. who who we support. But like they haven't been playing well this season, and you know obviously they had a massive result in the Champions League during the week. But like their Premier League form has been atrocious. Um. So, but like our our PSG's league form hasn't been great either. So, um, Pochettino just bringing the Spursy over to PSG. Like he is, he is quite literally the worst manager for that team because there is a manager who has established himself as a manager who loves really high tempo pressing football, and he's got a team full of players none of whom have an interest in pressing football or playing high tempo. So, <laughs> like, that, that is the worst of both worlds they're trying to marry there. And I think it can only end up, like, ruining Pochettino's reputation, which I'm sure JD won't care about at all. Like, But he's doing himself no service there by being with that team. So 
Yeah, I, I think I I keep PSG out of the top four. I would say it's it's City, Liverpool, Chelsea. Chelsea probably top. I would say Chelsea are the best team in world football right now. Absolutely. Munich somewhere three or four, I think. Yeah, Fair it's kind of kind of hard to to disagree, to be honest. Um, you, <laughs> can that, you can see his point. You can yeah. definitely see his point. But I suppose just before we finish up, obviously you lads didn't get to have your opinion on what me and Phil talked about on Thursday night about Pep's plea to the fans to come back. I mean, it's a bit sad, isn't it? It's it's one of the worst things I've ever heard in my life. Um. It is like to have to ask a beg. I think he was he was basically begging um, fans of a club who like it's their a football fan focuses on their team all week and looks forward to the game all week. It's it's the one thing they want to do to get them through whatever they're going through, work whatever it may be, problems and. To have to stand there and ask after they have won a game six three, um, to to please go to our game on uh, Saturday against Southampton because you know it's quite a shitty opponent, um, and you know it's it's one of those games that in the past you haven't really showed up to because you think that we're going to walk it. Um, you know, please come because it looks a bit stupid on us um, as a Premier League champions if, you know, we have half a stadium. That is, that's embarrassing, I think. Um, and it turns out that nobody gave a fucking listen to him anyway and they drew the game nil-nil. Bro, what up, you Pep? I, honestly, my, um, Respect for for Pep. Well, I, I never really liked him anyway, but um, I, I hear the way he approaches most things. He, you know, he obviously he's been a successful manager, um, but his his sort of communication with the media, um, you know, he, um, I hate the thing he does where he, he puts the arm around the player in front of the cameras and. Um, after the the absolutely trounced the opposition, and you know, makes it so public that you know I'm a perfectionist. You know, like the, even though we've won this game, like Grealish really needs to to hear this right now in front of all these cameras. Give it an absolute rest. Like, um, <laughs> it's awful. Um, and um, I I just thought it was. It was so silly, you know. We need like a word for Spursy. Um, only that relates to City because I feel like that that would only happen at Man City, and, and we need a descriptive word for it. I think they have had now. Obviously, COVID affected last year or whatever, but I think of games that fans who go to, they have had two full houses in the Premier League in the last three years. That's pathetic. It's absolutely pathetic. They they were drawing bigger crowds nearly playing, you know, League One, League Two football than, than they're doing right now. And I, I just, it tells you a lot about the mentality of where their fan base is at. It's a very, very, very small local fan base. And then it's, you know, corporate and international and all of that shit, right? But... I coach a shitty American football team 
the, the team isn't shit, but it's in a shit league. It's in a pub league in, in, in Ireland. And I send out tweets saying, look, if you can pop down to Castlenock for a game, please do. That's what it felt like Pep was doing. Like begging people <laughs> to come and watch his hobby, you know, uh, just to justify the errors he's wasted on it. Um, and even I was embarrassed for him. And I send those tweets with no embarrassment whatsoever. So. Uh, uh, loser. Yeah. <laughs> absolute, absolute loser. But, um, look, but they're, they're so small time. That's what they are. That's what Manchester City are. And I don't think any of us are in any doubt about that. Like they are a small club with small time mentality who just happen to come into a lot of money and don't know what to do with it because they got no fans. You got the fans. I think that's probably probably the perfect place to leave it. Like, um, I'll I'll also clip that up, Steve. Don't worry. Um, <laughs> I get, get, you, uh, you need to get Steve on the photo. Like the man, <laughs> the, that photo's been up near what a year now of of us the the cover of the podcast. Um, he's still not on it. It's all right. Um, I like being an international man of mystery who nobody knows what I look like. So. But I mean, we have so many I, good photos of you now. Actually, yeah, I'll, I'll maybe use that photo that Phil keeps putting under the grip. I'll, I'll <laughs> 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 uh, um, I, I hope the listeners can look forward to that one. <laughs> um, yeah, um, Jerry and Phil will be obviously back on Thursday with more badness. Um, not sure what you'll be talking about. There'll probably be some carbide cup madness going on. Somebody winning about eight or nine nil. Um, and yeah, I'm sure Phil will want his want to give his um reaction to to the absolute scolding that Liverpool have got on tonight's pod. So um, I hope we'll live up to it, Phil. Um, get all everything on our social media channels at the Football Babble. Um, Patreon, Patreon.com forward slash Football Babble. Cheers to the two lads. Um, Tune in on Thursday and we'll see you next week as well. Good luck.